I believe should be in. I don't care what position you play. Yeah, I, he's got a case now. Hey, look, he played it. That position is takes up a roster spot. They get paid, and I think he should be in Canton. I'm very biased, but I believe his body of work is 100% good enough. And Low Neal now joins us here on the program. 95-7, the game out in San Francisco. He played in the league for a very, very long time. Now he joins us here on the McFarland Show here in Nashville. Lorenzo, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, guys. How we doing? Oh, we're doing fantastic. I, I, I truly mean that. Um, again, fullbacks, your position doesn't get any love in the league. I think it's wrong, but I think you were a Hall of Fame uh, fullback because you paved the way for a lot of running backs to have a lot of successful years, including our man Eddie here in Nashville. Well, I thank you so much for the high praise. I really appreciate it. And I know when Ray Guy got in, I thought that opened up the door. You saw now kickers and field goal kickers getting in the Hall of Fame. Now, truly, it's not truly until they let, you know, more of the fullbacks, those type of guys get in. I look at certain guys, guys, and I think it's not just me, but I think a guy about a guy by the name of Larry Sinners caught over mm-hmm. 100 passes. Remember in Arizona oh, yeah. Cardinals, what Larry Sinners meant for the fullback position as far as just a receiving fullback. You look at another guy, you're talking about just a running fullback that should have been, should be in. You look at Mike Allstott. Mm-hmm. You look at what he brought as a physical running type of fullback. He makes a case. Look at Moose Johnson, what he did for Emmett and how mm-hmm. was the lead blocker that he was. So I think that there's guys out there, you know, Tony Richardson, Sam Gash. There's guys that definitely that should be mentioned or talk about Hall of Fame. But in my opinion, guys, without a doubt, there should be a fullback uh, to, to, to reach the Hall of Fame, no question. That O-line gets all the credit, though, in Dallas with Emmitt Smith, uh, Lorenzo, as you well know. Uh, the Moose sure. Johnson doesn't get talked about. More people know Moose now for his broadcast uh, than they do for his actual play when you know he won all those Super Bowls. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. He had those guys there, and you, you know those offensive line that he had. Let's, let's, let's not be remiss. Those guys exactly – they were definitely road, road, road graders and plowers and moving, moving, the, moving, moving the sticks for him. So Emmett did have an awesome line, but I think Moose, he, he did a hell of a job as well. So what do we have, Lorenzo? What do we have, Lowe and Rand Carthon? Well, who's coming to Nashville to be the new GM? <sighs> you know, when you think about Carthon, you think about who he is. His father coached me, believe it or not, when I was with the Saints. You know, Maurice Carthon mm. was a running back. You know, so, you know, you look at what – he did for San Francisco. I think John Lynch does a great job of bringing in some of these guys. You look at also a Shannon Hand. It, it is so. You think about Martin. When you think about Carthons, what he is. When you think about Maurice, his father. You know that you're going to get a guy that's disciplined. You're going to get a guy that's going to be committed to winning football games. He's going to try to turn this program around, which I think it already has a good coach. But I think now you're going to get a guy that's in that Bill Parcells tree that is, you know, where, where his father, you know, that came from that tree. And you're talking about a, a guy that's kind of in that same type of mold. When you think about your head coach, what he came from. You think about Parcells. You think about the head coach where he played over in New England. With, you know, so now think about what you got. I think you're going to have a tighter, a tighter niche organization. And I think what Maurice will do, I think what he's going to do is definitely bring in more talent. And right now, you guys got talent, but I think a position that's going to have to be addressed that no people don't want to talk about it is probably that position called quarterback. Yeah, yeah. And that everybody wants to know. So let's just go on and ask it. You're out there. I mean, is, is Trey Lance the guy? I mean, I know the body of work is so small, but 
Do they believe they did? They gave up a lot, as you know, to get him. Is he the guy? It's going to be interesting to see what happens because, guys, I'm hearing all kinds of things. I've heard Jimmy G maybe to you look what happened to the Houston Texans. They bring in another Niner coach. Is Jimmy G going there? We're hearing about, hey, is Trey going to be traded to maybe to Tennessee? Is it, What's going to happen with the body work? But I'm going to tell you guys right now, in my opinion, now look, this is just me speculation. This is no inside. You know, John Lynch and I are great friends, but he's not telling me this. I don't think Trey Lance is going anywhere. I think when you look at what's going on, when you think about what you had, and, you know, the kid played great, you know, Purdy. I thought Brock Purdy from, you know, Iowa, this guy went out there and balled his butt off. I think he's earned the right to compete. But, guys, this organization can't go with these two guys and think that you're okay right now, especially if a guy's going to have Tommy John surgery on the elbow, a throwing, throwing arm. You look at Trey Lance, his body worked, like you said, it wasn't more successful than what you saw at a Brock Purdy. But you still have a guy – that can play and play at a high level. So I'd be disapp- I would be, I'd be remiss if I think that uh, I, I don't think that the Niners are going to move away from Trey, and I don't think it would be a wise move to move away because let's face it, guys, you still have Brock Purdy on a rookie deal. This guy's in his first year, so for the next three years, the guy's making peanuts. I think the Niners are going to have to look at it and say, hey, do we give this guy another million, couple million bucks because of what he did? Because the money that he's making now. He's outplayed that. We all know that. Yeah, everybody here is excited, and you everything you hear about Rand is obviously very positive. He kicked butt in the opening press conference. But I think everybody's excited because of what you've seen working out there and we're seeing from afar. It seems like the 49ers organization has been getting a whole lot right, whether it's through the draft whether it's through free agency, whether it's through trades, they seem to be making all the right moves where here, you know, we unfortunately have been talking a lot about some really, really bad draft picks, some really bad free agent signings. And so I think that's also what has people excited. Can he bring some of that knowledge from what the 49ers were doing and bring that here? And you know what he's going to do, guys? That's a great point. Here's the thing. What People are creatures of habit. You're going to bring in a guy that's already had success, and you know what? You look at the free agents that's on the San Francisco 49ers. How many of those guys are going to go to Tennessee now because they're going to be familiar? You look at guys that's in Seattle and think about those free agents. You also look at guys with the Rams. Think about the different individuals that this guy's had opportunity to see up close and personal that's going to reach out, and he's seen them because he's played against them, went against those guys, you know, when you're the, against the Niners as a GM, you know, as John Wrench's right-hand man. So you're going to have a guy that understands NFC West better than anyone, and so the free agents and the guys that are going to be up, Tennessee's going to have a great shot at getting them. Do you remember a teammate by the name of Chris Sanders? Absolutely. What a great guy. Great man, great well, person. Well, hold on, hold he's on, always- Lowe. Don't don't prop him up too much yet. So I no. want you to hear what he said about you. We'll play it, and then we'll let you respond after that. Okay. So here's what Chris Sanders he was talking about. Well, I'll just let him. I'll just let him go. Just let you hear. It's about thirty seconds. At fullback, was he not a beast at fullback? What, let me tell you something. One of the nicest, meanest guys you ever yes. you ever uh, play against. And this is this is how he is. I remember we were playing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, uh, one of the linebackers gave a cheap shot on Eddie George, and Eddie George was limping back to the huddle. You know how you know how Lorenzo is. He's like he's a real big guy, no neck, but he had a high voice. He's like Eddie, 
It's okay. Just follow me. They're not going to do that again. Ran the same play. Ran the same play. Bow, bow, bow. Hit the dude in the mouth. Touchdown. He runs up to the linebacker. He says, I told you I was going to get you. I told you I was going to get you. <laughs> what do you think about that low? Do you remember? Do you know what he's talking about? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Oh, my goodness. Chris and those guys, I tell you, they got me fired up. They should love No, go blame Bishop, Mark Rob, all those guys. But Chris Sanders <laughs> What a treat to play with. I remember that. That's awesome. Oh, I love that clip. He, <laughs> he, in all seriousness, he, had, he obviously said a lot of nice, nice things about you. Because, again, if anybody who's spending time around you, that's that's what they would say. But th- we just thought we'd have play that for you. We had a little fun. And uh, yeah. see if you remembered that. Absolutely, guys. I, I tell you what, it's always great coming on any national station. I tell you this. Tennessee is an awesome place. It's a great place for family. Just a good place. And I mean, tell you, you guys have been a part of, you know, some big moments. And I mean, me being a part of the Music City Miracle, and just being on that Titans team for my two years, and just the men and the people that I met in that community. It's not the team; it's the people that make up that community. So it's a great place. I appreciate guys when you guys reach out to me to come on and talk some X's and O's. I really enjoy it, and I want nothing but the best for the Titans and the wonderful people in Nashville. So I got to ask you very quickly, sir, and that is about uh, what a lot of young men in Arizona are about to face uh, coming up here in the next few days. They're about to play one of the biggest football games of their entire lives. Uh, How do you – how were you leading up to that, Uh, you know, a couple days or the days or hours before the Super Bowl? Well, I tell you, you're excited. You know, you're a grown man playing a kid's game, getting the King's ransom. But all that being said, you're always looking for saying, am I good enough? How do you measure yourself? You look at every great person. They want to know, did they make it to the Super Bowl? Did they win a Super Bowl? Tom Brady's arguably, they say, the greatest now because of all the rings that he has. Yes, it takes teammates from other guys. They helped a part of it. But I'm telling you, you're measured. Look at great Eddie George, never won a Super Bowl. Great LaDainian Thompson, Hall of Famer, first ballot, never won a Super Bowl. Look at Dan Fouts. All these great guys never won it. So I'm telling you. You, you have a Philadelphia team that some of these guys have never won. You look at Kansas City, some of these guys on the team has never won, even though they've gotten one Super Bowl in the last four years. This is a team, and both these teams, there's guys on this team that take for granted and understand you'll never, there's an opportunity that you may not never get back there again. I've played for 17 years, you know, 16 credited seasons, and only been to one. So it doesn't matter how good you is, it takes a team around you. So guys are savoring this moment. This Friday is about making sure the dress rehearsal. Friday, you know, two-minute drill, short yardage, goal line. You get it all in, and it's like, okay, Friday's the haze in the bound, haze in the barn, because Saturday is just a walkthrough, and you go through, you walk through, special teams meeting. I'm telling you, today is the last day of, you know, that, okay, ask all the questions, get it done. After the day, guys, the haze in the barn, the game plan's all in, short yardage, goal line, two minutes today, and it's about, man, honing in. I'm telling you, guys are starting to get those nerves. You're starting to understand you're, you know, 48 hours away from playing in the biggest game, in the biggest stage, and what, over $20 billion or two, over a billion dollars have bet on this game already, This one of the largest amount of money that's coming in any Super Bowl. So guys understand what's at stake. And I'm telling you, Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles, this is a great matchup. I know people, you know, give Philadelphia the edge. I'm not, guys. I look at Philadelphia, and I think about the Giants. The Giants are a team that, you look at it, they didn't have necessarily a set plan. It was scramble, things happened, broken plays, and they were able to beat Minnesota. So it's a team that came into the playoffs, but were they really a great team? 
And then you think about who Philadelphia played next, the Niners, who was a great team. But that's like telling you guys, hey, let's race. I'm going to race you from California to, 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 to Tennessee, but I'm flying in the plane, and you're driving a car, the fastest car in the world. The plane's winning. When the, ten- when the Niners lost their quarterback in the first quarter, first two minutes, they didn't have a chance. So I don't think Philadelphia has been game-tested and battle-tested like the Kansas City Chiefs. You look mm-hmm. at Jacksonville. They were on a roll. Jacksonville won seven straight, whatever it might have been. And then you look at the Cincinnati Bengals, what type of role they were on and what type of team they have been. So if you think about battle-tested in the playoffs, I would give Kansas City a huge edge, and that's why I think it's going to be a high-scoring game. I think Kansas City wins this game because I think they've been more battle-tested and the, and the quarterback has been in this situation before. Last but not least for me, Lorenzo, and that is we talk a lot about how front offices approach free agency and the draft and things like that, and we always talk about it from the GM's perspective and what would you do and all that kind of stuff. You have played for seven teams, sir. How did you approach free agency as a player? Did you ever get a couple of phone calls from teams? You said, and I'm not asking you to call anybody's name, obviously, Lorenzo. I'm just saying did you get a phone call from a team, and you said, I'm not going out there. I'm not playing for them. How did you approach free agency as a player? Yeah, you know, for me, guys, it's about where's the most opportunity? If you go to a place and you know that, hey, look, they got 15 15- great receivers if you're coming up with jerry rice why would you go there to be the number two or three or four so if you're a free agent you have to understand where you're where you're at i had an opportunity guys believe it or not growing up my favorite team in the world when i was a kid because i'm from california was the chargers dan falk kellen winslow chuck muncie charlie jordan west chandler i mean i absolutely loved don Coryell football loved it and when i got drafted to the saints and never you know and then you know playing tennessee playing in different places i had an opportunity when i was a free agent you know, left the Saints, and I had a chance to go ahead between the Jets, between the Chargers, and I was thinking about going to the Chargers. Uh, Natron Mean was the back there, mm. but they only ran 10% of two backs, less than 10%, like five. So, it, trust me. So, when I looked at the situation, it was like my heart was like, man, I get to live my childhood dream. Let me go to the Chargers. But it wasn't the right time. So, guys, I foregone more money. I could have mm. went to the Chargers. But I said, no, I'm not going there. I wanted to go to a team, so I went to the Jets where they ran more two back, and I understood I was going to have more opportunity, and it worked out well for me. So when you're a free agent, you can't just look at, oh, my goodness, we're all, more money and all this. You've got to look at the setting for you. You have to take into account and consideration, is this best for me as a player and my opportunity for me and my family? Mm, great story. Don Coriel, by the way, down going to Canton. Going so to Canton. Good timing on that story. I'd be remiss if we didn't finish up. Lorenzo, with asking you, we got into this hot and heavy with with Chris Sanders, but I don't. I'm not trying to bring this down, but oh. you were on that team too, and I just got to get you. Have you seen the 30 for 30 Bullies of Baltimore? No. Uh, Sorry, I know. No. Okay, I know. <laughs> I yeah. said no. You know what? You know what, guys. On, on that particular, it, here's the deal. It, it comes down to, and here's, and we know, and let's be real. Baltimore Ravens, we knew that was going to be the Super Bowl. Whoever won that game was going to win the Super Bowl. Yep. And here's the thing. It wasn't about them outplaying us. Trent Dilfer didn't even have 100 yards throwing the ball. He had sharp, Shannon Sharp caught that one tight end play and had that big, huge play, and that changed the game. But let's be real what happened. If Aldo Greco missed, we missed a 30-yard chip yard field goal that usually makes, that's a 10-point swing. We got field goal blocked. So if you think about what happened, if, the, if you know, an Al's Mr. Consistent, those things doesn't happen in that game, and it happens. And you know what? 
Baltimore Ravens, are we talking about Baltimore the same way? And if it comes down to a guy who's been Mr. Reliable in kicks, if that doesn't happen, we win that game, guys. No, we you're you're 100%. Both of us have covered we're, – we're covering you. So, trust me, we we know and agree. We were both at the game. Yeah, no, we, we were at know, the game. You know, so, we, yeah. we got it. Uh, well, I asked – I know. <laughs> I asked Chris – I asked Chris if that was the best defense he ever faced as a player. He said the 95 Steelers were. What would be your answer? You played for a long time, and you saw a lot of nasty defenses. What was the toughest defense you ever came up against? Yeah, the Steelers, man, those guys, I, I'm telling you, playing against the Steelers, when you think about who they had, I mean, playing against 99 and Green and all the guys that they've had, I played against some good defenses. Baltimore, you know, even though they, they, they beat us, it was a good defense, guys. It was a good defense. It was a great defense. And and so, statistically, you would have to say that was one of the best defense. But I also played in Tampa Bay where you had Brooks and Hardware, Hardy Nickerson, mm. Warren Sapp, mm. R- Rondé Barber, John Lynch. I'm telling you, now, John Lynch wasn't a ball hog like Ed Reed, let's be honest. But mm. let me tell you something, Ed Reed couldn't hit like John Lynch. So, what do you take? So, of course, Ed Reed was game changer. And I'm not trying to, you know, but I think that you – can make a case that I played on some pretty good teams and some pretty good defense. And I'm going to tell you right now, for one year, you just look at it. Now, if you talk about consistency, consistency, you would talk about Baltimore. But let me tell you something. You get that Tennessee Titans defense and you compare it stat-wise, it was whatever that those two years. It was hand-in-hand. Hand. It wasn't like some onslaught for, for, for Baltimore. We, the freak and the players that this Baltimore, the, the Titans had, too. So, yes. I would give the edge, probably to Baltimore, if you're talking about just with the consistency, how long those guys were together. But you guys asked me, 52. I had 41 reasons why 52 didn't want none of this. Ray knew I had his number two now. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> you can't get along, guys. Well, you might as well get it on. <laughs> and on Sunday, on Sunday, you guys know, I came to do two things on Sunday, and that was chew bubble gum and kick ass. And on Sundays, I was fresh out of bubble gum. Perfect way to end it. Woo! <laughs> Low, always. I love it. Man, I'm ready to run through the wall. Oh, my gosh. As long as Lorenzo now on the other side, I'm good. He's got to lead the way. I can run through the yeah, Lorenzo first, then I'm right behind. We got to do it again, guys. We'll do it again. Hey, thanks, thanks for doing Lorenzo. this. Always a pleasure. Lorenzo Neal, man. What a treat. 52 got 41 reasons. Wow. What a treat.